This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. The Christchurch Manchester School of Leadership recently welcomed Mark Mumford from Salt and Light Churches to talk about developing people. In this episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the recording of the second session from that day with Mark. You can find the full notes on everything that he had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 97. So here is Mark Mumford. So the... I think the hardest things that I've probably had to do as a leader, there's a, you go into church leadership, don't really know what's ahead anyway. There are things you dread. I dread doing a funeral or funeral of a baby or those things you dread and they come and you find you've got grace for them. Hardest things I think I've ever had to do is to grasp the nettle of leaders that are not true sons of the, of the house. Can I use that? Is that right? They're not wrong they're not bad they're not you know but you know that you know (laughs) that they're in play they're influencing people in your church and you know that it's somehow going there now when you grasp that nettle the church doesn't quite understand it and you look a little bit draconian or something you know but I would say that unless you learn to grasp nettles <laughs> and, and really, and you've got to do it absolutely right. You've got to do it before God. This is not just, you're annoying me, I want you out of the way kind of stuff. You know, this is like somehow deep in my heart, I know that something's not, not right here. And that still happens. You can take people all the way around and still you can find at the end of it, they haven't actually got it. They haven't got your heart. Um, I preached on, when is a son not a son? Well, it's Absalom, if you know the story. He was a son, but actually he wasn't a son because he didn't behave like a son. And what does a son that's a true son of the house do? You know, you want to give everything to them. You want to sort of do this. You know, it's possible that Jesus could even take someone all the way around the square called Judas, you know, it's possible, you know. So I think we can't pretend that this is it. This is the perfect... You know, everybody's going to come out, sausage machine, all wonderful, wonderful. Um, and I think that's where the, if we can learn, and I think God is obviously prodding something here today. If we can learn challenge at the right place, at the right time, then it doesn't have to wait till it's a volcano. Okay? Because we've learned how to do that. Now, I would always put challenge in a slightly different context, and it's because of partly my nature. I say, let me try to win your heart. See, the challenge always sounds like I'm coming for you <laughs> and I'm going for something in you. Now, that might be the truth. But if your motive is because you're a nuisance and you're not doing it right, they'll feel that, you know. If your motive is I'm after something here, I really am, Ben, I'm after something here because I love you, because I want to win you. Because, and I think that is possible to be won. But here's the key. It doesn't, so if you've done your part right, if you're prepared to take the challenge on and do the challenge in, it takes humility on their part. 
It must do. It takes some humility to say, I am prepared to come, to come with you and into the, into the, into the, the, the family, if you want to call it that. So I think the Bible's quite strong on this. It's sonship, sons and daughters, if you like, that, um, you know, because they are always contrasted with <laughs> hirelings or, you know, this kind of thing. So I think the idea of, of, of that is very important to us today. One of the primary pictures of the church is family. Therefore, we want sons and daughters raised within the family that have got the family DNA. They've got the genes. They've got who we are. And I think that's one of the problems. If you bring people in from somewhere else, the positive of that is you could, oh, a little bit of cross-pollination is quite good if they can work. But they must be humble enough to say, I'm coming to join somebody else's house. You know, I'm coming into this family. And they've got to be humble enough to say, and I'm giving my heart to it. And if they can do that, and I think it can be done, and then the, em- the emphasis of your challenge is to win hearts, <laughs> is to win them. It's not just to sort of sort them out, okay? Um, Shall I just move on a couple of things? Because I think it might be helpful if we got a little bit to practicals before we finish. So how do, what are some of the practical ways that we can do some of this sort of uh, discipleship and developing? I did just want to do something on, um, uh, if you like, a, a, a preach, really, this is. But it's Joshua, Moses, and... What I noticed is that by the time you get to the end and you've got Moses, your time's up, and it says, hand over to Joshua, that is not the beginning of a process. It's the end of a process. Because for all the preceding chapters, uh, Moses has been taking Joshua around this square. And you find it, Joshua appearing right back early on. I've just got four things, if I could quickly just say them. I think these are absolutely essential. I would want these in people who were following me. I want you to get this. The first one is servant-heartedness. Okay? It's like we cannot say enough that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. True leadership, if we genuinely turn this on its head, as I just did at the beginning this afternoon, and I said, actually, it's not about us building a church. It's about us building people. Do you know what that does to you immediately as a leader? It makes you the servant of them. Because my job is somehow to help you to become all that you are called to be. So that, to me, is essential. If you feel like and you sense people and they're coming along with you and you go... They don't quite get servant-heartedness. I would say we're staying there. We're staying in this season until you start to get this because this is too important just to move on. If you end up here in a place of leadership and you still haven't got servant-heartedness. See, so Joshua just says was Moses' aid. <laughs> he was always kind of like looking to be the servant to him. So that's the first one. The second one for me is presence. Okay, presence of God. We were born into the charismatic movement, which wasn't just a sort of, uh, now we all speak in tongues and play tambourines, you know. <laughs> but this is a, an experience of God. I'd, I'd grown up uh, in a Methodist church. Um, uh, I, I sat and listened to sermons every morning and evening all my, through my childhood. Can't remember any of them 
except two. Two messages, I remember. One was on road safety. It was powerful, obviously, because I'm still alive. So it obviously worked, you know, <laughs> had some fruit. And the other was one on how Jesus didn't actually drink wine. So that's also had a profound effect on my life. But um, the, the, those were, you know, so you had, but the, the whole thing about understanding that there is the presence of God is something we can know intimately, personally, collectively, together. And we understand something of the presence of God. I do not want people coming into leadership that don't know anything about the presence of God. Moses goes like, guys, if God's presence doesn't go with us, we're not going. And then what you find about Joshua is that when Moses went into the tent, it says, when he went into the inner tent, it says, and Moses came out and Joshua stayed in there. So this guy wasn't just like, I'm just doing what I need to do. He got something of the presence of God. And I want to go, that's what I want for my leaders. I want leaders who know the presence of God. Because ultimately, the presence of God is still going to lead us today. Same with Moses. And to say, so again, some people go, well, I'm not very experiential and I'm not. Going, okay, don't care what character you are. Don't care what personality type you are. You must know what the presence of God is. Now, the truth is, as a church leader, you know that sometimes your church goes through seasons where it doesn't actually feel quite so much like the presence is around. Um, that's okay, <laughs> if you like, because you know that you haven't got it. When you know you haven't got it, at least you start pursuing it. And you go, oh, I'm not just going to think about the old days. We need the presence of God. If you haven't got it and you don't know you haven't got it, that's a problem. You just start doing religion. You just start doing, I want present people. I want people to understand the presence of God. Just not, not just like you can go through the motions, but understand that. So that's the second one. Third one I wanted uh, from, from, from is something of faith. Because if you haven't got leaders that have got faith in their hearts, that something is here is beyond what we're seeing right now. Faith is the substance of what's not yet, you know. So Joshua is the one that Moses sends into the land. He sends 12 of them into the land. Ten of them come back, say, it's impossible. Two of them go, it's possible. Yes. It's more than possible. We could do this, <laughs> you know. So what, what was sown into Joshua so that he could actually eventually be the leader was a sense of like servant-heartedness, was an understanding of the presence, and was a, he, was a, he was a man of faith. So that what he did then from that point on was faith. The fourth one is just a, like slightly different, but it's like... Um, is that Joshua um, learned to fight his own battles, okay? He learned to fight his own battles. But what I love is that it's one of the earliest stories, actually, is that um, you remember they were fighting the Gibeonites, I think it was, or Malachites. And Moses is on the hill, and you've got Aaron and Hur standing either side of him. And every time Moses' hands go in the air, the victory starts to win. Every time he goes down, he starts to win. Who's leading, the, who's leading the army? Joshua. So Joshua's leading the army in the battle. And I, I, I remember just sitting there going like, whose victory was that? Because the right answer is, it was God's victory, you know? Because that's true. The glory always goes to God. It's always his victory. But actually, it was Moses' victory because it was his anointing, if you like, his harms, it was his sort of, you know, you know. But what actually says is, he says, write this down. 
Joshua's victory today, okay? So what I like about that is, like, I think this is about something around here, is that we've got to allow our emerging leaders to fight their own battles and not rescue them, okay? Now, that's not like just off you go and that's it. It's actually Moses was still there, and it was under the anointing, if you want to call it that, of Moses' leadership that Joshua could win his own battle. So it's sort of a risk, but it was a relatively safer risk than just a complete abandonment. So there's a tip for us, I think, there about our, how we do that. I think sometimes we rescue our leaders too quickly because we're too pastoral and we're too relational. and We're not too invitational, something like that, you know. But I think there are times when you go, you've got to fight this one. Ben's part of the church down there, has problems with staff, okay, staff that he's kind of inherited from somewhere, and he's going, oh, what do I do with this? And I go... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm standing over here. <laughs> and I am, I'm actually still here, you know. But I'm going, I'm not going to fight this one for you, because I'm not really even in the detail to know what's what here. but I was standing with my arms in the air so you know but it is like you've got to there are some things that you ought to learn whilst you're still in a relatively safe place okay because one day (laughs) Joshua was going to be on his own and so he learned to he had to learn to win his battles and I think the the whole thing that Moses was saying there was make let it be known this was Joshua he won that one that was your victory you dealt with it and you've scored, you know, you've got something assigned to you. So I think there's a little bit of something there where we've got to have, we've got to have had a few things under our belt. Sure. Something that we know that we've learned and that we've fought and we've, that's, that's my battle. And not, and not be ashamed of it either. No, I, I got through that one. I kind of, I, I, I know I won that one. Somebody said to me, you know, you're leading this sort of church. Have you been through a building project yet? I went, no. Ooh you wait till you do sort of thing and, it, and it's like I don't think every leader by any means has to go through building projects <laughs> but when you do you learn to fight your own battles because nobody else is going to fight that for you and you've got to go and you come through it and you go like actually we did something there and not only did we do something because the point about buildings is like a lot of big projects is you have to take people with you in a new way you have to mobilise, you have to kind of get folks more with you. So anyway, all I'm saying there is that, um, that I think it's, it's part of, the, of the, what you're looking for is that you want people who have been proven already before they get given that sort of like, you know. So prove faithful in small things, win your own battles, that's, the, that's there. And then there's, there's, a, there's an equipment. So Jesus then could leave, Moses could leave, Mark Mumford can leave. Um, but actually what, you sh- what you're sure about is that they might not have all the d- bits and bobs and the detail of things. They might not have the same styles and approaches, but they've got essential heart, if you like, servant-hearted, understand the presence of God. They kind of, um, they, they've got faith in their hearts for something beyond what is, and they've got some battles, if you like, that they've won already. So that's sort of kind of a little kind of thing about what sort of thing do we disciple people in? I want to disciple them in those things. So on the faith thing, I want to say, I want to disciple you to have faith for something you haven't got. I want you to have faith. 
so that you're a person of faith. Otherwise, you can lean on our faith and those who've kind of down the road here somewhere. Now you've got to find your own faith. You need to be a person of faith and to take us beyond. Um, okay, that's all I wanted to say on that. Could you want to say something a little bit on um, huddles and things like Sorry, is that? I think that's time's up. Sorry, let's go, let's go questions. Back, back to the square. Yep. Um, we've not, sorry. Yeah, go on. We've not said loads about form. Um, and, um, so you've led a church for many years. Yep. There, there presumably are things you've held on to and things you've let go of. Yes. So how do you know which ones you held on to which ones you let go of? <laughs> Is that the time? <laughs> um, good, really good. I, uh, I suppose I think the whole journey is heading towards something. It's, it's an exit plan. And I think I've let go of some things that I shouldn't have let go of. And the church has suffered as a result. Okay, so, well, I think most of all it's this values thing. It's actually knowing that the core values are with people who are sons and daughters of the house. So, so I'd say that was, that's been the hardest thing to, to try to get back again once it started to drift. Um, Can you give an example? Yeah, I started to hand over the church to somebody else. And... I thought they were a son, and in lots of ways they were. Um, the value of family started to get eroded very quickly. And it was like, actually, this isn't, this is not just a few people are unhappy with a new style. It's like we're losing something of who we are. So I've had to re-engage, had to sort of come back in a bit more because it's almost like, who can re-establish family? Well, actually, mums and dads are the best at doing that, if you like, so, so we've had to do that. So there's a sense of, of like, okay, but there, the whole purpose still must be not to, that's us back and so it's sorted. It's got to be, we've got to get it back on track so we can withdraw. So there are elements of DNA, and they'll all be a bit similar for us, our sort of churches, but there'll be certain things that are absolutely, you'll know, these are absolutely core to us. And if, if we give too much away on that, we lose the very nature of who we are, who God's called us to be. And I had to realise, I had to toughen up a lot from being a very, come on everybody, you know, consensus type leader, to... I am called to be a shepherd for this flock and I've got to stand before God. And if I look like I have abandoned this, this church that God's entrusted me to, uh, that is a hireling. <laughs> that is not a shepherd. Okay? The Bible's very clear on that. So what 
you risk being misunderstood and all those things. But I knew, I, I, you know, various points. But had to, had to, if you like, grasp nettles like that. And that's, they've been really tough, especially when they're your friends. With that then, do you not think another way of saying that would be that those that you have to work out what things are the last ones that you let go of? Because the reality is you've still got to let them go because one day you're going to breathe in and not breathe out again. Breathe out and breathe in again. One way or another. One way or another. So what's the last thing? Don't get bogged down in the wrong bit of the... <laughs> <laughs> so the reality is you've still got to have that sense. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just thinking about it now for, for the first time as I'm listening to you think on it. I'm thinking then, is there a parallel in the scripture? I'm thinking Jesus before... He, I mean, I'm not saying this is a parallel. I'm more just mulling it over because I'm thinking, okay, what, based on what you've talked about, we should find an example of it in scripture. So I'm trying to racked my brains to some degree, except to say that after he resurrected, I'm thinking he showed them from the scriptures in Luke 24 all that was written about him in the Psalms and the prophets. So there was something that he left to the end. So there were certain things you should just leave right to the end. Is that a better way of saying it rather than hold on to it and it, never let it go? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Because there is a difference between the two. If you just hold on to it and never let it go, you're never actually handing it on either. Yeah. So you, you, you I mean, literally. As you say, it's the last thing. Yeah. And then it will still be in the same position as if you'd left it go ten years earlier. Yeah. Okay. It, it's probably worth. Probably. Let's. I don't think you are doing this, but just. Yeah. To be clear. Let's let's not confuse um, leaving it with retiring. <laughs> yeah? yeah. This isn't about. We're talking about retirement. Talking about the process of discipleship and um, succession and all kinds of things. So you can you can go through you could go through this process mm. ten times in your life, and you're moving on to the next thing, and then you process around, and then you're moving on to something else that God's got for you. Mm. So it's, um, it's not like the the goal is that you get to the end and you've got to try and get it handed over the right things at the end before you die. It's more. Um, for many people, this is a faith step in saying, okay, it's time for me to give this whole thing over now, or what's God got for me now? And one of, the, one of the key reasons why people don't let go is because they're not sure what God has got for them next. And so they just hold on to what they've got. Yeah. So That's exactly right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, just, I mean, I suppose my context is I've been a church partner yeah. for years. So I tend to think of not retiring, but leaving. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just I'm doing it obviously through that content. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So that pushes you into I'm gonna hand this on now, what's God got for me next? And yeah, yeah. So that's about faith. Yeah. Um, am I going to trust that God has got something for me next? Yeah, yeah. Or am I just gonna hold on because at least then I've got a job kind of thing and that everybody else can tell back. So what what's the last thing you would want? You're about to leave a church well, plant. Yeah, I was just wondering that, you see, that's the question I'm asking in my head is what are the things and I think Obviously, you have a million values. I guess my guess, the, the two things I wrote down were core values, mm -hmm. whatever they are, and the numbers. The numbers? I wouldn't take my eye off either of those things. Actually, there's an authority as well, isn't that? Because actually, what Jesus left right at the end was his authority. Yeah. So actually, his last thing really was all authority yeah, is mine. 
of this year. Yes. I wonder whether actually part of leaving is that moment of saying, hey, here's the authority. And actually that's the last thing we can do. The full authority. That's good. But that's actually good because I was just reading the Joshua Moses thing again recently and it was like and at the very end it's like and your authority Moses give it to him so it's an authority issue what I think about this though another thing another challenge for leaders is if you don't give people some authority here they don't get properly empowered and actually we talk delegation a lot <laughs> but delegation must mean and I'm giving you authority to do something so that, that actually, again, is part of the process thing. You don't do it too soon because it's dangerous there. But if you don't start to do it, they don't actually get properly equipped as leaders. They don't, you know. The release of the 72 was with authority. Yes, exactly. So the end was authority to go beyond what Jesus had done. Right. So the authority then was to go to the nations. Yeah. The authority was now to change the world. That's it. So it is, there's a point where you say, right, now go beyond. And, and that still is fundamental, almost where I started actually here, is that the goal isn't just I take, I go one person around the thing so there's another one to replace me. It was Jesus to 12, <laughs> which went to 120, which went to 3,000, whichever, you know. It must be with multiplication in our hearts. Must be. There's nothing, every single picture and image and idea of the kingdom of God has got multiplication in it, you know? So if we are somehow in this and we're sowing into others, it must be so that they go and sow into others. So that is the bit that we think we've not done very well over the years. We've taught discipleship for years, probably like you. But what we've really done is we've made it a fairly intense form of pastoring, really. It's just kind of a little bit more serious pastoring for keenies, for keen people, you know? Um, but actually discipleship, I think that we've got like, actually, if rather than teaching discipleship that will you be a good disciple, will you be a good disciple f for me? <laughs> it's actually, will you go and be a disciple so that you can make? So the invitation challenge is come and follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men, you know? And the challenge there is this isn't just about making you a better Christian. This is about a multiplication of the kingdom of God and so on. And so the whole thing about how does that happen? Well, one thing sows to the other. When you're part of a movement, you have to produce disciples to keep going out. When you have new things opening up, you need discipleship. You know, the two feed each other completely. So the idea of discipleship is not just how to pastor your own people that you've got a bit better. It's this is about movement. This is about making disciples and make disciples. Well, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything that Mark had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 97. See you next time.